Real music, real interviews, real information. That's why we call it Real Gospel with the X-Men. Family, this is the X-Man, and Bobby Newt is a very special guest. He has quite a testimony and quite a story. You don't want to miss it. This is a song called Choices, and after this song, I'll speak with brother Bobby Newt in a live interview. Trust me, grab a friend. You don't want to miss this. This is Real Gospel.
Real Gospel is the place where God gets the glory and artists definitely get to tell their stories. I am honored to be joined by this um, dynamic, prolific man of God, the one and only Bobby Newt. Um, Bobby, welcome to Real Gospel. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. It's such an honor to be here, man. want to give an honor to God first, obviously, and uh I want to thank you so much for bringing me on the show, man. Almost definitely. So before we get started, um, a lot of people, sometimes I like to say that there's someone who found Christ on yesterday uh, who was new to gospel music, new to just all this stuff. So this is an opportunity for them to get to learn a little bit about yourself and hear your testimony and just uh, find out, you know, the purpose behind your music. But you are slightly different from a lot of artists uh, because I can relate because I started off in secular music as a radio uh, personality. And so um, you also have sort of a, um, a secular background in terms of R&B, things of that nature. And you have worked with some uh, some greats, as they say, uh, in uh, the music industry. So uh, just take a second or two to uh, tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are, uh, some of the things you've done, some of the great people that you've worked with in, in, in the music industry. And then ease us on into the things of God. <laughs> Wait, well, I'm sorry, what was the last thing you said? Ease us on to the what? E ease us on in into the things of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I come from, you know, I'm, I'm from the 90s. I was in a, a, um, a boy band or that they call them now called the Neutrons. Um, we were signed on MCA Records. Came out in 1990. Our single was My Heart Beats For You. Um, and before that, we were groomed by the Jacksons. Wrote my first song at nine. Um... The Jacksons started grooming us around 11, 12 years old. We were managed by Joe Jackson. Uh, we actually remade the song, I Want You Back, recorded in the Jackson studio with uh, actually Jackie Jackson singing on the background with us. It was very cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, that was the start of, of, of us really getting into it. I got my record deal at 15, like I said, with MCA Records. Um, we would do uh, Video Soul, um, soul Train, actual real Soul Train. I, I say that because Don Cornelius, um, rest in peace, was, yes. was still hosting the show. The when soul we did it. Train, <laughs> <laughs> which was a huge deal for us because you know back then that was the show that all black kids watched and wanted to be on if you were in music. So that was our I made it moment when we got a chance to do Soul Train. Um, but it would have it that um, the single would come out. It was mildly successful. Went to, I want to say 26 on Billboard or something like that. Top 20. Um, and then that was the end of it because our, my father. Um, so that's the difference also between in my story is that we come from the streets. Um, my dad was actually a, 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 in, in the world a legendary uh, gangster, gangster pimp. And so he was our manager. And that's kind of what... Um, messed up the record deal he had to have things his way had to do it his way kind of scared the label off um and then he also while we were doing this was on the run from the police so uh it's it's a movie uh <laughs> but um while so so he went back when he went to jail my twin brother ronnie newt jr rest his soul uh, started hanging out with gangbangers we're still signed with mca when this is happening started hanging out with gangbangers started robbing stuff and actually got, got himself killed on May 1st of uh, 1991 oh no uh, yeah and that was kind of well now I look back at it and I realize that that was the beginning of my testimony and the be or my test I should say um, because obviously at the time I'm 16 
Um, and so I didn't know how to deal with tragedy. And then, you know, in the black community, we don't, no one says, hey, man, you're going to need therapy for this. Because I actually, they had this show called Hard Copy. I actually watched my brother being killed on, it, they showed it on TV. And they're like, hey, the surveillance footage, we're going to show you the surveillance footage. It's very graphic. You know, they give you that whole disclaimer thing. And um, so very tragic. I actually saw it with my own eyes. Um, and affected me in a, in a, obviously in a, in a huge, huge way. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And I'm 16 years old. Um, and so typically, you know, you need, like I said, you need, you need therapy for this kind of stuff. But we didn't, we didn't, no one told me that I should get therapy. So I dealt with it in my own way. And I tried to, um, I was 16, so wasn't doing drugs, wasn't drinking, but women was already a thing. So that's, that's really what became my vice and my my medication for the pain that I was in. Because that's the thing, if you're not a twin, you won't understand what I was going through because I didn't come here. We came here together, you know what I mean? So that it's a whole different kind of loneliness that I, that I felt. And I tried to fill that void with, you know, with things and stuff and women. And so by the time I was 23 years old, I had four, I had, I had five babies with four different women. Uh, just really just, you know, in a spiral. And I, I mean, I tell people this all the time. I was so reckless because when he died, I just didn't, death was so close to me. I just didn't think that I wasn't thinking about nothing because I didn't think that I was going to make it to be 25 anyway. So I was just living everything in the moment, just trying to survive. And so going through all of that, um, then I, I the, the record company dropped us, which so then my dream also ended. I was the lead singer of the group. I had pretty much, I wrote the songs, put, put in all the work, and then my twin gets killed and the dream dies. We, we moved from this pretty nice house in Diamond Bar back to the project in San Francisco. Um, so all these things are just super traumatic super traumatic um and so i'm just dealing with them by medicating myself with these women and so as life is going on i'm you know i'm now regular i'm starting to i'm playing basketball i'm going to school went to junior college for a couple years and then music comes back around because i realize like i'm not normal i god has given me a gift to i sing I, i've been a professional singer since the age you know when you get a record deal you're so 15 um <laughs> And so we started, me and my, my brother, he's, he now goes by Jay Valentine. He actually manages Tank. They have the R&B podcast. This little 10-year-old who was in the Neutrons has gone on to do some really great things. Um, and, and so have I. We, we both, at that time, the way we got back in the music business because my dad had got the Newts, which is why my brother changed his name. He had got the Newts, or used his middle name, I should say, Jay Valentine instead of Jay Newt. I got the Newts blackballed, basically. So we had to kind of lay low and, 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 and be in the background. So we started writing songs. So I moved to back in, I want to say it was 97. I moved to back to L.A. That's when I started getting back into music and I started writing for other people. Got my first placement with Damon Thomas, who is one of the founders of the Underdog. Super successful production team. They did so many R&B hits. So then I wrote my first single for Coco from SWV. Um, and then wrote on Kevon Edmonds from After Seven. I'm aging myself, obviously. <laughs> but that was my first gold record. Uh, wrote a song for him. Um, and then, as things would have it, you know, ups and downs of music. Um, 
then then I I, uh, uh, um, I want to say in 2002, um, still trying to be an R&B singer, still struggling with life, still trying to figure it all out, um, and still in the world, you know. Um, now I got, you know, it's really wild. I got five girlfriends. I got, but according to the world, I'm also signed with Death Row. So you, <laughs> wow, you know, it's wild. I'm signed with Suge Knight because I'm willing to go that far to be an R&B singer. Like we, we actually went to the prison, me, my dad, my dad's back out of jail now, me, my dad and my brother went up to meet Suge Knight at the prison. And I actually auditioned as, as you walk around in, in the, in the circle outside in the prison. He signed, signed me on the spot, put me on what I call the death row starter kit. It was, um, you get a monthly stipend of about two or $3,000. You get a, a, a nice car, some type of, you know, V8, V12 car, I had a Jaguar. And it gives you the death row chain. So I had the death row starter kit. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I didn't, I've, we've overcome the black being blackballed. I'm dealing with an owner of a label, a black owner. This, we're gonna be huge. This is what I'm thinking. Man, he gets out and starts acting crazy again. And people start getting killed. And my dad is like, okay, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not gonna be doing this anymore. So we leave death row. Um, around that time, I meet my wife. Um, um, I mean, my wife at Usher's birthday party, 2002. Um, she, she was my girlfriend first. Um, and one of my really spiritual, I call him my most spiritual friend. He, he was always around. We were writing songs together. Super churchy dude from, from Texas. Brick Stearns is his name. He's, he's an amazing, amazing person. And he just kept telling me like, hey man, like there's something else. I know you're trying all these things in the world, but there's something else. Cause I kept telling him like, you know, and I, according to the world, I'm doing good. I got, like I said, I got cars, I got money, I got clothes, I got girlfriends. I, got, I mean, it's, but at night I could not sleep. The anxiety was, was, was overwhelming. Um, it's just in the pit of my stomach. I didn't know what, like, why can't I, why can't I sleep? And the only way I would be to sleep is to pray. And so this guy kept saying, hey man, you got to try something else, try something else. I'm like, what? He's like, man, come to church, come to church with me. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to church. Church? What is that going to do, right? And so, he just kept asking me, man. And finally, I had gone as far as I could go. I had done all that I could do. And I was, I was, I finally accepted his invitation. And I happened to be dating, who's now my wife, uh, my girlfriend. Like I said, we met at Usher's birthday party. Um, I, I went to the church, I walked in there, and I knew that's where I was supposed to be. At that moment, I just knew it was a life-changing moment. The pastor, uh, it was an accountability church. You mean, when I say that, I mean like he call you out, call your mess out, right, right in the middle of the of the service because it was a small church. Wow! And I need, I needed that. I needed someone to hold me accountable. And so, me and my wife were singing in the choir, and he 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 brought us in his office, and he was like, "Hey, y'all living together? Y'all shacking up? Y'all can't be shacking up um, and, and be be singing in my choir." Wow! What y'all gonna do? Hold, hold it right there for a second. Hold it right there for a second. Okay. We're going to take a break because this is a powerful, powerful testimony. And I feel free already because some of the stuff you talked about, you rolled over my toes, man. <laughs> so I know that the listeners are like at the edge of their seat. So I want you to pause it right there. We're going to take a quick time out, a quick break. And um, when we come back, we're going to pick back up with you in church, you and the pastor, and y'all in his office. Uh, you're listening to Real Gospel. We'll be right back with Bobby Newt. You're listening to Real Gospel. Gospel with the X-Man. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0940. 800-670-0940. 800-670-0940. That's 800-670-0940.